Good evening, Jets fans. This is Glenn Naughton. You are listening to Jet Nation Radio. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to those of you who checked out the podcast from the other night with Manish Mehta from the New York Daily News. If you haven't already, go back and give that a listen. We talked a little bit about Adam Gase and uh, Manish's feelings on that hiring. I talked about my feelings on the hiring. And, you know, now a few days have passed. And I, I, said, I said the other day, and I meant it, man. Listen, I, I understand the skepticism with this hire. I understand that folks were upset by it. I said the other night that my biggest reason with that being upset with this hire was the uh, the way Adam Gase dealt with the media in Miami and some some what appeared to be maturity issues. But uh, the Jets introduced him the other day, officially at One Jets Drive in Florham Park. And I mean, let's get this right. Let's get this out of the way right off the bat. Um, the the facial expressions from Adam Gase, people had a lot of fun with it. I had a little fun with it, um, but I mean, it, it's time to get past that already. What what the hell was going on there? I have no idea. Nobody does. I've heard some people with some pretty wacky theories, um, but the bottom line is that the guy is. Uh, it, it it was it was tough because I'm of the belief that you know I'm I'm not normally going to notice or comment on the way someone. You know, if there's if there's a quirky, you know, an oddity, something that stands out about somebody. But l- let's be honest with the Adam Gay situation the other, day, the other day. You couldn't not mention it. You couldn't not notice it. I mean, that was bizarre. There's no other way of putting it. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Uh, but what I am saying is that who cares? It, it's about winning football games. That's what the guy was brought in here to do. Whether or not he does that enough to to. Uh, hang around for a while remains to be seen but i understand the uh the the snickering that went on during and after the presser on twitter on facebook on the forums at jetnation.com which by the way if you're not signed up yet why why aren't you go ahead and uh, get in there let yourself be heard jump in there with your fellow jets fans jetnation.com sign up log in and uh, and get going in the forums. Most active uh, message board on the internet, folks. Over 800,000 views on the Jet Nation pages in the first week of this month, um, driven largely by the, the Adam Gase news. Uh, but real quick, before I go any further, I want to thank our sponsor, Mile Social. Mile Social will help, you, will help your business with their social media, websites, and SEOs. Check them out at milesocial.com. That's M-I-L-E, social. Dot com. Basically, if you're running a business and you're wearing a lot of hats, you want to take a little bit of that, uh, take some of that, those responsibilities off your plate. Let Miles Social handle your social media, and uh, they're, they'd be the ones to do it for you. They do a great job there. So again, back to the Gase hiring. It, it's been really outside of the fans, which, uh, I, you know, again, I would include myself initially. Uh, I would include really most of Twitter. I I know Rich Samini, ESPN, did a poll. 68% of Jets fans said they were upset with the which, again, I understand. But if we're going to be fair about this, you know, and it's not it's not even about being fair and all, you know, to me, as I said the other day, I'm just tired of being pissed about the coach. I mean, Adam Gase didn't do great things in Miami, but he did he – did, you know, relative to what he had to work with, he did an all right job in terms of wins and losses. Won some games with Brock Osweiler. You know, he didn't have a great quarterback situation because Ryan Tannehill was often hurt. When Tannehill wasn't hurt, he was over 500. Some purposes should be better than all the quarterbacks he had to work with in Miami. So hopefully that means, you know, bigger and better things ahead for the Jets. Offensive guy, as we know, first offensive guy they've hired in in a million years. Coach Height was the last one. He was a complete disaster, as we uh, as we are all too aware. But listen, he ticks the boxes. Head coaching experience, offensive side of the ball, done some good work with quarterbacks. Are there question marks? Absolutely. But that you know, that's the thing is there there are no candidates who didn't have question marks. Tell me who you wanted. Tell me, tell me which, which head coach you wanted brought in here, and I guarantee you that coach would have question marks. 
Mike McCarthy, yeah, he won a Super Bowl. Fantastic. He won a Super Bowl almost a decade ago. And he's running the same plays now that he was back then, if you listen to you know, the guys that played for him, the guys that played against him. That's why he's losing to the Arizona Cardinals, the worst team in the NFL, despite having arguably the most talented quarterback in the NFL to work with. I mean, yes, I understand it's a team game. But the Green Bay Packers, with Aaron Rodgers as quarterback, I mean, come on. You're going against the worst team in the NFL? And I, I know that one game doesn't define a coach. But uh, Mike McCarthy wasn't very good this year. He wasn't a whole lot better the year before. You know, you want Matt Rule. I wanted Matt Rule. Matt Rule was my top. Well, I take that. I think by the end, uh, I, he was, I would say Todd Monken, who got the OC job. And was it? Cleveland, he would have been my top choice. Matt Rule would have been my second. But Monken, untested, unproven as a head coach in the NFL. Matt Rule, same thing, and very little NFL experience. Didn't have a lot of connections. Cliff Kingsbury, not sure if he was ready to be a head coach, maybe maybe more of an offensive coordinator type. But the bottom line is that there was no coach available that didn't have question marks. None. So no matter who they picked, miserable people were going to find a reason to dislike it. And I, again, I disliked the Gays hire initially, but in taking a step back, looking at the overall record with the quarterbacks he had, the, you know, the, the players who have come out in full support of it, and not just current players, not just star players, guys who had different levels of success with them, different degrees of success, The coaches that have hired him, Nick Saban, John Fox, guys who have national championships and Super Bowl rings. He's done some good things. He's a highly regarded guy. And today we get news that the Jets go out and they get, you know, and this makes the hire a heck of a lot better. They go out and get Greg Williams, former defensive coordinator from the Cleveland Browns. Put your testicles in the sea gap. And there's a little bit of Greg Williams for you. Compliments of uh, Hard Knocks, HBO's Hard Knocks. He's an intense guy. He, he's, he's not afraid to get in the player's face. He's not afraid to let them know who's in charge. He's going to call an aggressive, an aggressive game plan. And hopefully, hopefully he's going to call a game plan that matches. Huge hire. This is a huge hire. Adam Gase, to me... This offseason would have been a lot worse if they had to go with another unknown as a defensive coordinator. Because let's face it, Adam Gase, and he said it himself, he's going to focus on the offense. And I don't have a problem with that because we're seeing that more and more around the league where head coaches are specializing on one side of the ball and they bring in strong assistants to work with. So now if you'd brought in a first-time coordinator – or a coordinator who hadn't had much success on the defensive side of the ball, while knowing that your head coach is going to be working the offensive side of the ball, that would have been a little bit scary. I, I did have a nervous moment. When, when news broke that the Jets were, were close to a deal with Greg Williams, I was sure it was going to get done. I was sure it was a done deal. But then three, four days passes. It's not done. Rumors of the Redskins calling him in because they're interested in him. And that was, uh, that was concerning. But they get it done today. Greg Williams officially announced by the team via their Twitter page that he is on board. He is the guy. Like stories now will become players who will, who are likely to, to see some, some role changes. Maybe some guys who will or will not be re-signed. Maybe some guys hit the trading block. Um, we've already seen a few names. So if you want to look at who who could step up, who can do some big things, the first, guy, first two players that come to mind for me, Leonard Williams and Darren Lee, depending on how they choose to use Darren Lee. I know a lot of people have been saying from the time he was drafted and for the last year or so that they should move him to the outside, let him try to use that athleticism, that speed to beat some of these offensive tackles to the quarterback. 
Or do you, do you leave Darren Lee on the inside at your at your middle spot where he can cover more ground with that speed, but then that kind of where does that leave with Avery Williamson? So I think I think we see Darren Lee get a look on the, I think we should see Darren Lee get a look on the outside with Williamson in the middle. Or again, I I think there's a couple different chances. Either way, regard whether they keep Darren Lee in the middle and occupy blockers up front with linemen and let him make plays or if they move him to the outside and let him get after the quarterback a little bit, I think we'll see a, a, an, an uptick in production from Darren Lee. I think we might see the same from Leonard Williams if they're going to move him inside on a 4-3 defense. Again, this is where obviously this is all assumption at this point, but I think that's sort of the universally the, 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 the most frequent uh, stab in the dark that we're seeing writers, beat writers, analysts make about this. Four three, and that'll move Leonard Williams to the inside with three extra guys, or with three other with three other guys with their hand in the dirt, getting after the quarterback. And I think Leonard Williams, under, you know, with a different role in this scheme, rather than being an end on a three four, hopefully that means more production for him. I think we will see some improvement. There's been talk to the Jets are looking to move Leonard Williams. Now I'm not saying they won't, but I I mean I can't see a team being desperate to add a guy who's due to make $14 million and have the season Leonard Williams just had because it wasn't a very good one. I mean, it, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't as bad as Twitter tells you. It wasn't as bad as the, you know, the, the, the anti-Leo folks that you see on, you know, if, if you pop into Jet Nation on the forums, you get people that hate him. He's a bust. He's a Mac pick, so he must be terrible. But the, the the reality right now with Leonard Williams is he's been a good player, but not a great player. And when you're drafted six overall and you're not a great player, you're, you know, by definition, you're a bust. Does that mean a new system can't mean better results? Absolutely not. So this is, again, hoping that with Greg Williams coming in, that there are bigger things down the road for Leonard Williams. And another big, another player who can be hugely impacted by this, Tremaine Johnson. And boy, you better believe Mike McCagan wants Tremaine Johnson to turn things around because they gave that man a lot of money and he didn't, he didn't get a lot of results. He had a nice, he had a nice little, we know how his season ended benched from missing meetings. Kind of a, you know, wasn't the first time we saw that under Todd Bowles, but Tremaine Johnson was a member of the St. Louis Los Angeles Rams under Greg Williams when he played some of his best football. And he had the same secondary coach in Denard Wilson, DB coach. We'll see if that stays, if that uh, remains the case. If Greg Williams wants to keep Denard Wilson around, that'll probably be his call. And if, if so, you have the two guys who were with Tremaine Johnson when he played his best football. Now, kind of a staple of Todd Bowles defense's during his time here was to take his corners and to play them about 300 yards off the ball and just get eaten up underneath. So with Greg Williams, with a more aggressive scheme, do we see more, do we see more press, press man coverage from Tremaine Johnson, which is in the past? I certainly hope so. And if that can help get him turned around and Leo, and Darren Lee improved their play, then that's the, those are all big steps in the right direction. But one of the question marks becomes Jordan Jenkins. Now, Jordan Jenkins is a guy who had a career-high seven sacks this year and did a nice job as a 3-4 outside linebacker um, who you would think in a 4-3 would, would project a defensive end. But you have to wonder, do the, do the Jets view him as a guy who, you know, who can play defensive end? And if not, do you trade him? I mean, I I don't think you can get a whole lot for Jordan Jenkins, but certainly for an edge-setting linebacker who can get you seven sacks, and let's face it, you know that's that's year three for him. He he, we could still see some improvement from him in the right system, and that that's seven sacks for a team that didn't have a very good secondary. You send them somewhere where the where teams can hold up in the passing game. Maybe Jordan Jenkins becomes an eight to ten sack a year guy. He's shown he can get to the quarterback a little bit, and uh, and there's value in that in this league. 
as a defensive end with this in this scheme? Do we see Jordan Jenkins uh, shipped off to add a draft pick? You know, one of the one of the many questions that'll be answered in the coming months. And of course, Henry Anderson. Henry Anderson uh, is not under contract. He's a he's an unrestricted free agent. But there were many folks, myself included, who thought the Jets should have been making him a priority to get him signed. But uh, now, if they don't feel he can play in that scheme, then he could be on his way out. We all we know that that was the reasoning behind the Indianapolis Colts trading him for a seven was the fact that they were going from a 3-4 to a 4-3, and they felt like he wasn't a fit in a 4-3. So if the Jets feel the same way, then that could be it for Henry Anderson. He could be on his way out as well. So lots of questions, many, many questions that will be answered this uh, this coming off season. And it was a bizarre year for the Jets. You know, they looked, they looked decent early on course that big win early and uh just found a way to blow it we you know we learned today um there was a report that todd bowles and i'm going to try to find who this came from but the the bills we you know i talked during the season many people mentioned after that buffalo game how in the world do you not fire todd bowles after that game uh it turns out now that that game that buffalo game that they lost at home to uh matt barkley the shellacking um, that is when the Jets started their head coach search. Um, so that that's one positive. Uh, you know, I felt he should, Todd Bowles should have just been let go at that point, save him having to go through the last few games of the season. Uh, Jets let him ride out the string and would play out the string. And uh, it also turns out Todd Bowles was apparently speaking with Bruce Arians at that time about a defensive coordinator job because even he knew he, wouldn't get, he wasn't going to hang around after that performance. And... Bulls lands in Tampa with Arians, uh, you know, not really our concern with, uh, you know, having moved. But what I wanted to do now, because I did this the other day, and as I said uh, during the Manish interview show, that I had done an episode a night or two before that that didn't air. It, we uh, we had to pull it because it didn't record about 85% of the show. So what I did on that episode was I went over 2018 Report card, team report card, player by player, including basically guys who are still on the 53 or guys who earned some consideration to return. A couple guys who are free agents who aren't under contract, but I think could be back. And uh, and great how they performed this past season. So we'll do a little bit of that. And by the way, uh, tomorrow night, we're going to have... Uh, a short uh, special show. We're going to talk with uh, Associated Press Jets beat writer Dennis Wozak. He's going to come on. He's going to talk about Gay. He's going to talk about Williams. He's going to talk about some of the things I just uh, covered, the Dallas, uh, things of that nature. So there will be another show tomorrow. Um, up in your 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 uh, your iTunes downloads or whatever device app you're using. But in wrapping up, key players still on the roster or could be back or will be back next year and grading their 2018 performances. So starting it off with quarterbacks, of course, uh, Sam Darnold, he gets a B. He gave Sam Darnold a B because uh, despite the shaky start, and he was, for the most part, if we're being fair here, he was pretty bad. Um, early on in the year, you know, one or two games that stood out, but missed on a lot of throws, held on to the ball too long every now and then, didn't didn't even didn't see open receivers. That was a something we saw fairly often. Um, but it, he was a you know he's a rookie, and I and I have said it many times before. I said it when he was drafted. I was looking forward to the second half of the year more than I was the first half because you knew there would be bumps and pickups in the first half of the year, and there were. Sadly, he had that injury that knocked him out and caused him to miss a chunk of those final eight games. But basically, you know, through the first, uh, what was it, in his first nine starts of the year, he had six touchdowns, I'm sorry, 11 11 touchdowns, 14 picks through his first nine starts. 
and then missed a few weeks, as I said. And then he came back over the last few weeks of the year, throws six touchdowns, one interception, weeks 14 through 17. Looked like a made big plays on the run, made some unbelievable throws. He really he made some mind-boggling, eye-popping throws. So the types of things you expect to see from a guy who you're going to build your team around for years to come. So Sam Darnold gets a B. Josh McCown gets a C minus. When he was on the field, he was pretty much a disaster. But I don't think you can I don't want to undersell the importance of having not just a veteran quarterback behind Sam Darnold, but a veteran quarterback who really very early on made it that his his priority was to mentor Sam Darnold this year. He wasn't uh I think sometimes when you get these veteran quarterbacks sitting behind young guys, they may not be fully invested in developing that guy because there's a little bit of resentment, a little bit of a, I want to be on the field instead of this guy. Uh, but that wasn't the case here at all. Josh McCown, plenty of value there. Who's going to grade Davis Webb and give him an incomplete because no, he is not due to be on the roster. No, he did not play last season. However, the Jets are going to need a backup, whether McCown comes back as a backup, they'll still want a third quarterback. And if the Jets liked what they saw in Davis Webb, then he's a guy that can come back and uh, and compete for a backup spot next season. Isaiah Crowell, moving to the running backs, we gave him a D on the year. Um, outside of his one big game, and, you know, thinking about it, you know, being, being a bit more fair and thinking about this, because I did write this a couple weeks ago, he, he maybe deserved a C. You know, he wasn't great. He had a, his 4.8 a year, 4.8 a carry on the year which is obviously a pretty pretty damn good average. However, he had that one game in week five where he averaged almost 15 yards a carry, and that had a huge impact on his average yards per carry. You take that one game out, and he was at 3.6 a carry. But to be fair to him, this O-line, their run blocking was not good at all. And that's due, you know, that, that no running back was going to succeed behind this O-line. So I gave Isaiah to start with. But I think a C is probably more fair. He's a guy who uh, he, he may be around next year. He may not. You know, the cap hit, if he's let go, is, is pretty minimal. If I'm not mistaken, he would uh, – the Jets would save $3 million of his The $5 million he's due, the Jets would recoup, recoup three, and uh, $2 million would become dead money. But we'll see what happens there. Eli McGuire – guy who got some run late in the season, played well, scored down, down the stretch, through the air, and on the ground. Good blocker. Again, yards per carry was garbage. But as I said with with uh, with Crowell, that O-line was just so bad at, at opening up holes for the running backs that uh, we went and gave Eli McGuire a C-minus. He just, these backs didn't have much to work with on the ground. So it's hard to, uh, it's hard to, Put it, put it all on them. Trenton Cannon, rookie running back, gets a D. Didn't play a whole lot. He really one thing that jumped out in camp, and it showed up on film. The guy is just, he's just so damn fast. He really is. Whether or not he's going to be a big-time player or even a good player, we don't know yet. But I've said it a couple times. I've tweeted it. I've put it in articles. He's a guy you stick with for a little bit. You give him a couple years before you give up on him. Because, you know, especially the way he came along as a special teamer, um, just consistently looked like the fastest guy in the field, or one of the fastest, if not the fastest, every time you got a, a good chance to watch him at full speed. So I think Trenton Cannon, is he's too to give up on him that this early. Um, but, you know, to be honest, I've, I've said that in years past with players, and the guy's cut, you know, before camp comes around. You just, you just never know. But I think based on what Trenton Cannon can do, I think you keep him around for a year or two, try to develop him as a multidimensional guy. He can catch the ball a little bit, excellent special teamer, and uh, try to open up some holes for him in the run game, and, and I think he'll make some big-time plays. Blah, pal, we gave an incomplete because you've spent most of the season on an injured reserve, and it's unlikely to be If he does heal up completely and he's healthy, I could see them bringing him in as a tryout. But in all honesty, I think they will move on from there. And uh, and best of luck to him, by the way. Just class guy. If you don't like Bilal Powell, there's something wrong with you. Moving on to wide receivers, Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson gets a C+. Absolutely fantastic down the stretch. 
was quiet for much of the year, and that was due largely in part to the the fact that he wasn't targeted. I mean, he was getting open, and when he was targeted, Donald was off and off the mark. So I don't think it's a case where Robbie Anderson played poorly. I think Robbie Anderson just didn't see the targets he should during the the final four or five weeks of the season for one reason or another. Jeremy Bates realized Robbie Anderson when it's on his roster, whether it was Bates or Darnold, whoever it was, they they started targeting him, and he looked like a different player. And he kind of showed that yeah, he's he's shown it every year he's been in the league. If you get if you deliver the ball to him on target and you target him consistently, he will absolutely be a thousand yard uh a thousand yards a year type of guy. If not much more. He's that good. But we he's either getting overthrown or not getting targeted. And then I gotta hear about how he's garbage. The number of people who told me Robbie Anderson sucks, he's garbage. I've heard people say get get rid of him, cut him because he got a penalty. I mean, Jesus. Team hasn't had a, a legitimate, consistent downfield threat since Wesley Walker. And people want to get rid of him because he got a flag. And I get the arrests and all that. But you have to look at it that, you know, they're accusations. They weren't proven. And really, when you boil it down, you, you know, you get down to it, he was guilty if, I'm worst case, if if he had been, you know, charged and found guilty, he would have been guilty of being an asshole. Pardon my French. But uh, that's that's basically what it would have been. So, Robbie Anderson gets a C+. Plus. You know, whatever did happen with him, whether he said what they said he said or if he did what they said he did, hopefully, you know, because we hear it all the time, guys do dumb stuff. They say, you know, that the experience changed them and they grew up and blah, 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 blah. Well, this is Robbie Anderson. This offseason is Robbie Anderson's chance to prove that he's grown up. And if he has and if he stays out of trouble, a big, bright future for that kid. Quincy Nunua gets to see. Spent a lot of the season injured. Was Arnold's favorite target early on. Uh, saw his targets dwindle a little bit when he came back, but still a productive guy. Jets gave him a four-year deal. That was good news. Great job by them locking him up for a while. And so now you just uh, you sit back and you you hope the guy can stay healthy. I think that you know a lot's made of the injury stuff, which makes sense. But even this year, I. I I think that down the stretch when they sat him for the last couple games, I think that was precautionary. I don't think he was hurt that like no need to run him out there and risk him. These games don't matter. And uh and they they IR'd him for the year uh with a couple weeks to go. Jermaine Curse. Jermaine Curse, he's our first F. How do you not give Jermaine Curse an F for this season? What a I mean, what an unbelievable letdown. How how you go from 2017, you have 65 catches for 810 yards and five touchdowns, and you you come back the next year, and you basically half half of that or worse in every category. 37 catches, 371 yards, one touchdown. But he uh, he is probably of all the players the Jets have to work think about resigning. Jermaine Curse might be the most interesting. Because you have to sit back if you're the Jets, and you have to say, is this guy the – was that the aberration? Or is he the guy he was in 2018? Or is 2018 the aberration? Because I'll tell you what, even if he's somewhere in between that, if he can be a 50-catch, 600-yard, 3-4 touchdowns, as a depth guy, that's not a bad. that's not bad. I think – if I had to guess – I'd say he's the 2017 version. I think he's a good player. But I think he got phased out of this offense. was frustrated. Not saying that makes it right that he did look to be giving uh, less than maximum effort. Um, If you can get... Because now, the thing is with Curse, because the things went down the way they did, you might be able to get him on a one- or two-year deal for pennies on the dollar for what he's capable of producing. So do I think he'll be back? If I had to guess, I would say no. Would I be back? 
I wouldn't. Again, as a depth guy, especially you figure the Jets are going to draft the receiver at some point. So you're going to have Anderson, Inunua, Curse, and the guy we're going to talk about next, Deontay Burnett, who we didn't see enough of to grade him. He gets an incomplete, but I included him because, well, first of all, he should have been playing a lot more. He should have seen enough reps to get a grade. Again, Todd Bowles. We didn't see much of him. When he did, when they finally played him in week 17, five catches, 73 yards. And and for people talking about, I've had people say, who cares if Deontay Burnett and, and Derek Jones played well in the season finale? That was a meaningless game. Okay, that game wasn't meaningless for the Patriots. And that game wasn't meaningless to Burnett and Jones, who were going to be busting their asses to make an impression. You're a young NFL guy who hasn't had a chance to get on the field, and you're trying to prove you belong. I don't care if you're 0-15. You're treating that game that game to you. That's your chance to, to, to show what you can do against, against legit competition, and you're doing it against a team that's trying to win a game to help their playoff positioning. This isn't, this isn't week 17, the Pats already have home field locked up, and they're playing their backups. And their backups are playing, and, they don't, and, they're, and they're half-assing it because they know they got a long playoff run coming up. This is a team fighting to win a game for playoff position, and these are young players who are trying to prove that they belong in the NFL. That's about, doesn't matter, week 17, season was over. Not for those guys. As a fan, you might, you might have been checked out as a fan. You don't think Deontay, you don't think Barnett and, and, and Derek Jones were trying to make an impression in that game? You got to be out of your damn mind. So Burnett played well. well. We'll talk about Jones later. Covering tight ends, though, moving to tight ends. Chris Herndon, he gets a B. I mean, he was a. You talk about a a breath of fresh air because we been so bad for so long. We're always talking about how bad the quarterbacks are and how bad the, the edge rushers are. There's no edge rusher. They've been bad at tight end for a long time too. I mean, Chris Herndon is legitimately already looks like the best tight end the team has had in decades. He's he's already he's going to be better than Dustin Keller, and Dustin Keller was probably the closest thing they've had to a good tight end in twenty years. So Herndon gets a B. He was named to the AP, I think it was the AP All Rookie Team today. Pro Football Writers, whoever it was, um, All Rookie Team, Chris Herndon, tight end, Jordan Leggett, Jordan Leggett. Almost gave him an incomplete because he didn't see a lot of targets, but he, he had enough reps. He played a lot. He just wasn't he just wasn't part of the game plan. But when he was, he showed he could catch the ball. He was a better blocker than I thought he would be, than a lot of people thought he would be. And hopefully he's a guy who can uh, form a nice combination with Chris Herndon moving forward. But I gave Jordan Leggett a C minus. Production wasn't great, but opportunities weren't there. When they were there, he caught the football and he did a nice job as a run blocker. And Eric Tomlinson, he could depart via free agency. I'm giving him an F. Short and sweet on Tom. I was signed to be a blocker, and this was probably his worst year ever as a blocker. Went very good. So Tomlinson guesses on the way out. Clive Walford. Now, why, 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 Glenn? Why is Clive Walford on the list? He played one damn game. He played week 17 after being signed a couple days before the game. The reason Clive Walford is on the list is because I pointed him out or singled him out many times during training camp as a guy who was having a damn good camp. And Clive Walford, to me, is proof that every now and then you get these guys who are they're just they're good enough to be in the NFL. They've shown they can play, but for whatever reason, they don't, they don't catch on. And I'm not saying, no, I'm not saying these, don't tell me, oh, no, you're putting Clive Walford in the Hall of Fame. I say it all the time. People have this thing in their minds where every player is either Hall of Famer or garbage, and there's no in-between. There is some in-between. Some players are good. Clive Walford's a good player. He showed in a couple years with Oakland, three, 400 yards a season, a couple touchdowns. As a secondary target, as a second tight end, you could do a hell of a lot worse than Clive Walford. Clive Walford for the last five years would have been the best tight end on the Jets roster prior to this year if not for Herndon. So Walford can play. 
Moving to the O-line. Oh, Walford gets an incomplete, but he's a guy to watch here coming into camp next season. Now moving to the O-line, Kelvin Beecham. He gets a C. And that's about what he deserves. He's a mid-level guy. He makes mid-level money, and you get mid-level production. He gives up a couple sacks, but for the most part, he holds his own at left tackle. He's the reason why I've said the Jets will probably go, well, previously I said the Jets would probably go edge in round one because you can live with Beecham for another year. And I, I'm not going to lie, and other people do it, so I don't care. I, I, I do, I'm flip-flopping a little bit right now with the third pick. So I say it's got to be edge, got to be Josh Allen. Then I, then I look at it and I go, Mike McCagnan drafted Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold may very well be the reason Mike McCagnan keeps his job for the, 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 the long run. And he's going to want to keep Sam Darnold healthy. It's going to be Jonah Williams. It's got to be the tackle. It's got to be the tackle. But then you look at the roster. Calvin Beecham, he's a C. You don't have, a, you don't have an edge rusher who's a C. I mean, you might have a guy who's an all-around C, but in terms of someone who they don't have that at all. So you can make the argument that Edge, a guy like Josh Allen, is a bigger need and may be higher rated than Jonah Williams. So expect me to go back and forth about 25 times between now and draft day. But let's face it, trade down. Trade the hell down, add some picks. All right, so Kelvin Beecham gets to see at left tackle. Left guard, Spencer Long, he gets a D. I know I'm sure there are plenty of people who would want him to get an F because of the way he snapped the ball at center early in the year. That wasn't his fault, as far as I'm concerned. All right, that's uh, that's Todd Bowles, seeing that he has an injured player who can't perform up to his normal expectations. He can't do something he has proven over years that he can do. And Todd Bowles leaves him in there. That was an idiot move by Todd Bowles. That being said, Spencer Long was still a bit of a disappointment. Even when he moved to guard, he wasn't great. He was, eh, you know, he wasn't terrible, but you could definitely upgrade. Given the Jets' salary cap situation and the fact they could cut long with no cap hit, I would say at the very least you give him a look to try to win a win a job on the O line. And if not, maybe you keep him for depth because there's not a lot of depth around the league right now. Brian Winters, right guard, C minus, just too damn inconsistent. Winters has days where he looks like a monster, and then he has other days where it looks like he's he's torn an abdominal muscle again. Um, I, I like him, love his work ethic, love his attitude, but he's a C minus player, and uh, and I, I think he's back next year. I mean, there are just too many spots that need upgrading. That I think Brian Winters isn't your biggest concern, but I don't think the Jets will rule out. I, I think they'll explore replacing a lot of guys, but I think Winters may be a guy who sticks around. Uh, Brandon Shell, he's done a decent job at right tackle, not great. That's somewhere, you know, you'd like to have a guy on that right side who just, you know, plows people over in the run game. Teams like to run to the right. And uh, you just don't get that in Shell. You get a you get a one on this Jets O-line is the same story in that they're all better pass blockers than they are run blockers. And Brandon Shell fits that description. So I would expect him back next year, but the Jets in the next year or two, you know, maybe looking to find a, a guy who can do it all. Uh, versus a guy who can only, or who's so much better in, at one part of his game than another. Then a couple backups. Brent Quale, he gets a D. Not a great player. He's 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 one of those guys. He's good enough to hang around on the roster. Good enough to be a. Sport. You can do again any of the any of these offense, you know, O linemen that I'm mentioning all kind of fall in the same category. These backup level guys that, in terms of backups, you could do a lot worse. There are some terrible O-lines around the league right now. Um, Brent Quale, absolutely no problem with him staying on as a depth guy. Ditto for Dakota Dozier, who we gave a D plus. And then Ben Braden. Ben Braden gets an incomplete, but we're throwing him on there because we think the team really likes him. And he could be a guy here and a chance to win a spot on the roster. Again, maybe 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 just as a depth guy. But uh, I'm not saying he will make the roster, but I think they like him enough that they're going to give him a really good shot to make it. So on the D line, moving on the other, moving over to the other side of the ball, Leonard Williams, as I said, good player, not a great player, C plus. Got to the quarterback a few times late in the year. Well, really, just 
the last couple games. But uh, all in all, not the quarterback for Leonard Williams. Um, and for $14 million, you got to do more than that. That's why, as we said, hopefully under 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 uh, Greg Williams, things get better. Henry Anderson gets a B, Jets' best D-lineman all year. Probably should have been a B-plus. He's another guy who had seven sacks. And uh, said earlier, he should have been a priority free agent for them. But uh, given the fact they could be going to a 4-3, that could change. But you have to like what the Jets got out of him, especially for a second. So good job by Henry Anderson. He gets a B. Same for Steve McClendon. Always overlooked. Say it all the time. Underappreciated. And even this year, he was, again, number two. Uh, graded defender for, for pro football focus at 78.5. Did a really nice job. Very underappreciated guy. But I would imagine, given his age and the addition of Fuller to Fadakasi, that maybe they look to, to bring Fadukasi along and take that spot. I would not hate it one bit if McClendon came back on a one- or two-year deal. Nathan Shepard, it's another I get it. I get young guy. Well, not not young, 25-year-old rookie. Rookie player out of a small school. I understand that. But, man, I mean, you, you got to make a play at some point. 15 ta- he averaged less than one tackle a game, didn't have a sack, and one tackle for loss. That's just not good enough. And Nathan Shepard, if he doesn't make a serious leap, he could be the next mid-round pick who doesn't make it past his first season with his team. And no, I'm not... Again, what I said was, if he doesn't, I don't want to hear any of this, oh, glad you said Nathan Shepard was going to get cut. No, I'm saying if Nathan Shepard doesn't show significant improvement in year two, he could get cut. Not saying he won't, because I like him. I think he's got some good tools, strong guy. I'd like to see him stick. Mike Pennell, B minus. Look, part time player, you know, middle of D line, occupies blockers, doesn't doesn't do anything sexy. But what he does, he does well. So he gets a B minus. B minus from Mike Pennell. He did a nice job. And Fadakasi, I mentioned. He played one or two snaps on defense this year. That's it. But I think he was drafted with an eye on allowing him to compete for Steve McClendon's job next season. So we'll see about that. Linebackers, Avery Williamson gets a B. Maybe should have been a B plus, maybe a little higher. What I like is that after I did these, posted them on Jet Nation, I had a lot of people saying I was too generous and a lot of people who said I was being too harsh. And that's kind of kind of the way I like it. Um. I want to be criticized for both because uh, if, if you're making everyone happy and everyone's agreeing, you probably did. When people are telling you you did the, you know, one side says left, the other side says right, you're probably right about in the middle. And that's where I like to be. So uh, Avery Williamson, we gave him a B. You could argue for a bit higher grade, but career high, 120 tackles, three sacks, a couple forced fumbles, a fumble recovery. Did a really nice job, a tone setter in the middle of that defense. Darren Lee gets a B minus. Would have been a B, but getting that late season suspension for drug use, we don't know what it was. Not peds. People keep saying, oh, you, you, peds. He, it wasn't peds. It was drugs. We don't know what drug it was. That's not our business. The league doesn't tell us that. But the bottom line is he was playing well. He was having his best season. Great in coverage. Still had some lapses in, in against the run. But all in all, a much, I mean, by far his best season as a pro. So hopefully Darren Lee keeps trending in that direction. Neville Hewitt, his backup, who replaced him for the last four games. C-minus. Hewitt's, Hewitt's a, a, a nice player. He turned out he was a better player this year than I expected him to be. And uh, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's back because the Jets, as we mentioned previously, played uh, played safety in college. And then there's uh, Kevin Pierre-Louis. He was an incomplete, but I put him on there because he was signed to a multi-year deal, so he should be around this year. And he was another guy who he, he didn't see a ton of reps because of injuries. But I, I liked him a lot from what we saw from watching him on film last year and then uh, this year in training camp. Anthony Wint, he gets an incomplete undrafted for rookie free agent who, whether it was Todd Bowles who really liked Rogers or Mike McCagnan, we don't know. Um, as I've discussed before, we had when we had Manish Maidon before the season, he mentioned Wint as a guy the team really loved and he thought he would stick around. 
and he did on the practice squad, was added to the roster late in the season. So if uh, if the people who like Anthony Wint are still in that building, I would expect him to get a look as a, a depth slash spe- special teams guy. Jordan Jenkins, we talked about career high seven sacks. We went with a C plus. It, it really did seem like he took a step back against the run this year. I don't. It doesn't, and I could be wrong, but it didn't feel like he played the run as well as he had in previous seasons. But even if you have a guy who's solid against the run and can be a guy who can get to the quarterback a little bit, I think he's a guy who has some value on the market if the Jets don't feel like he's going to be a guy who will fit their new scheme. Brandon Copeland, outside linebacker. Copeland gets a C. He did a nice job. Part-time player, five sacks. It only had a half a sack in his couple seasons before that. And uh, you got to give that guy a chance and see if he, he keeps uh, trending in the right direction. Because it'd be nice to get a, a nice diamond in the rough, a, a steal that uh, who can help you out and get into the quarterback. And staying on that note, Frankie Louvu, undrafted free agent who saw a, a nice chunk of playing time, got himself a few sacks, three sacks, 11 QB hits. It's a part-timer. Louvu gets a C-. minus. Josh Martin, outside linebacker, we give him an incomplete. Spent most of the season on IR but one of the best special teams players on the roster. And uh, I feel like he could probably be – I feel like he can get to the quarterback a little bit more if he had an opportunity, but not so sure he'll be a fit with what they're trying to do, with what they're trying to move to. In the secondary, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams gets an A. No A plus because we, we would have liked to see more – we would have liked to have seen more interceptions out of him. Uh, only had the one pick. But the guy – the guy's a monster. Absolutely fantastic player. The Jets used him at slot corner. They used him at free safety, strong safety. He played the boundary a little bit. He rushed the passer. He did a little bit of everything. And he did a little bit of everything really well. So all the people who uh, spent all of last year and much of this year saying that the Jets were idiots for drafting a box safety at number six, Looks like they were the idiots for thinking he was a box safety. Marcus May gets an incomplete, unfortunately. I mean, really, probably could have graded him with six games. He did play six games. And if I had to grade him, I'd probably say C+. Plus. Maybe, even a B, maybe even a B. I mean, he didn't play much, but he did play well. Had the big interception, 104-yard return. It was not a touchdown. Um, you know, consistently plays well against the run. Just a good all-around player. And hopefully he's, he's got to shake this injury bug. This this thing where the second-round picks are terrible is, you know, you thought it snapped with May, and he's been a damn good player, but now he's been hurt again. You see, you can't have that. Terrence Brooks, we gave an incomplete. He's due to hit free agency, but I'd like to see him back. I think that with a better coaching staff, he would have a bigger role. Wayne Johnson, another F, and people might get mad. I bet he was one of the ones that people, oh, you can't say he's an F. He wasn't an F. He was bad, but he wasn't an F. Listen, man, you, you got like, what was it, 74 million, whatever it was. You're, you you get beat like a drum most of the season early on. And then you, you come around a little bit and it looks like you're, you know, turning the corner. And then, you you know, you have a couple of big games and then you get suspended for not showing up in time for meetings. Um, just big picture wise, it's an F. However, the glimpses, those little glimmers when he did play well, kind of reminded you why the Jets did pick him up. And it really highlights how important it is that uh, that Greg Williams find a way to get him back on track. Boris Claiborne got a C. And again, we'll categorize him, as I said earlier, good player, not a great player, but not a terrible player. Uh, Jets Twitter might tell you otherwise. I've seen a lot of people just... They talk about the guy like he's, uh, you know, like, like he's never made a play, like he's never broken up a pass or gotten an interception. He makes some plays. He's a good player, not a great player. Daryl Roberts is next. We gave him a C, and that's that's largely based on how he played corner because he did a nice job filling in when he did start. Um, moving him to safety, can't really say 
I know why they did that because I really think Terrence Brooks is a better safety than Daryl Roberts, Todd Bowles for whatever. Roberts at safety, that was a bit of a disaster. But much like the Spencer Long thing, to me that's more on the coaches. Buster Screen gets an F. I hoped he would have a, a similar season to the one he had last year, which was probably his best season as a Jet, and that just didn't happen. Buster Screen regressed a little bit. He should be on his way out of town. Richard Robinson is another F. I hate to say it's time to give up on the guy. I would say, actually, for a guy with as much talent as he has, I think you bring him to camp again next year and let Greg Williams decide what to do with him. Eric Jones mentioned him earlier. He gets an incomplete. Uh, Very impressive in training camp. Didn't get on the field weeks one through 16. When he finally did, uh, Pro Football Focus rated him as one of the top cover corners in the NFL in week 17. But yet, Todd Bowles didn't see any need to get him on the field before that. Perry Nickerson, another guy who didn't see the field nearly enough. Saw it early on, struggled a little bit, but still did some things that opened, you know, some a few uh, kind of raise your eyebrows and think, all right, this guy might be something. And I really hoped we'd see more of him in the season, as the season went on. We didn't. Brandon Bryant, undrafted free agent safety, progressed well throughout preseason. Looked like he might make the roster, but it was just a stacked, stacked position. Spent the year on the practice squad, but I think he gets a chance to make a roster next year. So he gets an incomplete. And then special teams. Short and sweet. Lachlan Edwards gets a B. 45.9 yards per punt. Good enough for sixth in the NFL. Andre Roberts, A+. Plus. Over 1,000 yards as a kick return guy. Average 29.4 per return. Average 14.1 per punt return. Returned one of each for a score. Just an f- unbelievable year for him. He should be back. And then Jason Myers gets an A. Misses out on the A+, plus because he missed a couple extra points late in the season. And that wraps it up. That is the roster, at least as far as as far as we see it in terms of key players who can or will be back next season. In the coming weeks, there will be plenty to talk about because free agency is right around the corner. We will Next week's show, we will cover potential targets. Who might the Jets be going after? And uh, hopefully have some more coaching staff updates on what's going on there. And as I said, tomorrow... We will have another episode. It'll be a short one, probably another 25, 30-minute episode, as we did with Manish. But this time it'll be Dennis Wozak from the Associated Press. But thank you so much for tuning in tonight, Jets fans. Have a great night, and uh, we will actually catch you again tomorrow. Hang in there, Jets fans. Uh, Looks like some good times are ahead.